to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you for listening and making a commitment to learning. Hope everybody is doing well. I'm your host. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the evolving Yvonne Brandenburg. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Hey, girl. (laughs) Hi. Uh, You're evolving because your life might be changing soon. I know. It's, yeah. Yeah. We don't have to talk about it. I'm just excited for you i know it's 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 so funny because like i posted something on facebook i'm like i don't want to jinx it because you know i'm i'm a technician and i'm super superstitious is like i'll get out yeah <laughs> so i'm just like oh, give me a couple days that i'll start telling people <laughs> it you was really what? funny because one of my former students is like i hope you're pregnant and i was like no it's not that don't worry i'm not pregnant too old yeah <laughs> like I, I can tell you that that's not the answer <laughs> no no, if we ever decided to have kids, I would totally adopt, but that's not happening anytime soon. Could you, I mean, like, there's a lot of people out there, like women in their forties who have children and like do that, but like, man, kudos to them. Cause I'm tired yeah. and I'm in my thirties. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine going to like high school graduation and like being like, okay, I just retired. Like it just, just seems wrong. Did I tell you what Connor said to me the other day too, by the way? No. You would appreciate this. Um, <laughs> Did he so, call you old? Is this yeah. Like, yeah. Awesome. Sweet. <laughs> From the mouth of babes. <laughs> yeah. So he came over and he's like, did you know the Titanic happened in 1912? And I was like, I think I knew that at one point. I was like, but it's not a piece of knowledge that I keep in my brain now. Thank you. Um, he's like, were you alive during that? Did he? So oh, someone, <laughs> he was like, so like you know not to be rude and i was like great starting off strong you're like i was like i wasn't born in 1912 if that's what you're gonna say and he's like well you were still born in the 1900s and so it's like (laughs) very similar to 1912s and it just you know it makes you kind of sound old and i was like i was born nowhere near 1912 connor i was like there was a whole lifetime between 1912 and 1989 when i was born i was like you were barely in the 1900s like come on Uh, i know we're like we we were born in the last millennia yeah not even the last century but also the last millennia it's not a comforting thought to like no. know that I was born in like a different, like a completely different era than my kids. Like at least my parents and I were all born in the 1900s, but no, like my children were born in the 2000s, 2010s. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's like, like, I'm sure for Connor, it's like, you know, the people that were born in the 900s versus the people that were born in the thousands. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure for him, even people like my cousin who was born in what she's she was born in like 2001 or something like that. And I was well, like, yeah, she's she's old too. So, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, my uh, God. kids, 
No, my cousin <laughs> was born in 1999. She barely made the cutoff. Oh, wow. That's kind of fun. Barely. She got like a whole year because she was born in January of 1999. So she got mm. one year of the 1900s. This is like, this is the only time that you and I can like relate to being like in a similar age bracket is that we yeah. were both born in the same millennia at least. Yeah, I'm sorry. But then I, I say know. things like Teddy Ruxpin and you're like, what? I knew, I knew that was going to come up. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm a Furby era. Ugh. God, I remember when Furbies came out. I begged, I begged my parents to let me stand in line and wait for them at Toys R Us. Oh my gosh. And I was one of I'm the just first... so excited about Toys R Us. It's, wait. it's coming back a little bit. Oh, is it? Yeah. So instead of it being like a standalone store. It sounds like for the holidays, they're doing like a Toys R Us section. Like pop-ups? Like in like a store. And I can't, I want to say it was like Nordstrom's or something like that, but I can't remember what kind of store, but, um, but yeah. So like, you remember when you were a kid and you did your Toys R Us like gift list? Mm-hmm. Please tell me you did that. I did. And okay, I used God. to, <laughs> I used to go our Toys R Us had uh, a Pokemon club. And so I used to go oh. uh, every, I think it was every like Thursday night um, from like six to eight, we would be in like Pokemon tournaments. <laughs> like That's kind of cool though. My brother and I, yeah. Huh. I had the worst cards too. And like these little boys used to think that they could like destroy me because like, I like I did it because my brother did it, but like I didn't really care. Yeah. Um. But man, I destroyed this one kid with like, I don't know. He had some fancy cards, and <laughs> like I just had like a, a little Charizard or something. And <laughs> you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I beat him. I was like, this is this is amazing. And then oh yeah, my God, that's so funny. <laughs> I had my little Tamagotchi in my pocket while I was playing. <laughs> oh my god, a Tamagotchi, so funny. You're super aging yourself, which is awesome. It's not know, just me this time. It's nostalgic for everybody who's not just getting out of tech school. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> oh my god, it's so true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Those were those were some good times in like the 1990s and early 2000s. Let me tell you. Well, you know what's funny about that is we were I can't remember where I was. I don't know if it was at ACVM or if it was the other conference I was at. We were just talking about how we got into vet med and, um, (laughs) and I was like, dude, animal planet and watching like animal cops and, um, I don't even remember. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and like, oh, there was like, there was another one where it was all about like, the emergency clinic. I can't even remember the name of it right now, but I just remember thinking, oh my God, what is this vet tech thing? And like, I saw the Bell Ray Institute, like Commercial. commercials. Back when like, we used to have commercials. <laughs> I know, right? And I was like, what is this thing? And that's kind of how I got into it. But yeah. 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 Animal Planet. Boop, boop. <laughs> God, Animal Planet was legit. Like, yeah um there were so many good shows Zabu- on there. what was that one show zoom zaboomafu or whatever that I got me into animals. It. right Zubumafu. i mean this- yeah it was like about a lemur yeah zoom Zubumafu. 
Um, man, I watched that as a kid. Okay, yeah, that was see, PBS, 1999. No wonder I don't know it. I'm like, what? It's a it's a cartoon from 99. I didn't watch it. No, no, no. It was like um, it was like a a live show slash cartoon. Like it was one of those. Like oh. Anyway, he was a zoologist. He's what made me like want to work in zoos. Oh, interesting. And then yeah. like the crocodile hunter and stuff. And oh yeah, for sure. Someone someone quoted Rugrats the other day, and I was like, oh my god! Like the fact wow. that I even knew that that was a quote from Rugrats. I was like, <laughs> I love the Rugrats. I watched them. Such... Yeah, so did I. I was I was older, but I actually really enjoyed <laughs> enjoyed yeah. watching Rugrats. And like baby Looney Tunes. Oh <sighs> god. Yeah. You're welcome, hey, everyone. You came here to listen about vet med and we start talking about all sorts of random stuff, but you're probably super used to it. And if you don't like it, just fast forward through it. That's fine. <laughs> it's like our version of commercials. Just how our oh brain my God. is Except we're not getting paid at all for any of this. So it's not really a commercial. No, it's just flashbacks of our brains. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> anyway, um, we'll get off of memory lane and <laughs> even though like i said i could live in the 1990s and early 2000s forever Oof, i don't know maybe maybe back when it was just el nino that was a problem and not like global warming <laughs> like i, I mean global warming's been a problem forever but still yes yeah. so. <sighs> but anyways kind of touched on it on what got us into vet med <laughs> So just a quick reminder. What's going to keep us in vet med? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So this, uh, so for the month of December in 2022, because that's coming up here, um, December 10th, we're doing our monthly CE for the internal medicine for vet techs membership. So if you want to join, if you're a member, it is free. If you're a non-member, you're welcome to join. You can always um, come go to the website, internalmedicineforvettechs.com. There's a CE link. You can find the link there or you can join the newsletter and we send out reminders, Um, but you can always join. Uh, There is a fee if you're a non-member. If you're you're a member, it's free. So um, just a reminder and we're talking career satisfaction. Um, Some ideas on, you know, (laughs) longevity within our career. I mean, there's way more ideas than we're going to pack into an hour, but, um, oh, for sure. But this is, this is one of those things to kind of get your brain going and start thinking about some of this stuff. Yeah. I think Liz made a post a few weeks back about like other career options as a veterinary technician too. That's a great reminder. I'll have to find that. Yeah. 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 There's, uh, and not only that, but like vet tech cafe is always a good one too, to, Yeah kind of think outside the box because they talk to Jeff and Dave talk to everybody people in all sorts of lines of vet tech which is awesome it's super fun like to hear different perspectives on it too which is really cool so all right uh anything else we need to talk about before we dive into polycystic kidney disease dun 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 I don't think polycystic kidney disease really deserves a dun dun dun. Well, I guess it could. <laughs> I'm sorry. This disease isn't worthy of like, oh man. <laughs> I mean, I guess it is. It's just a slow decline. 
over I think, years um, and years and years. All of our diseases deserve a dun dun dun. How's that? That's true. You're not wrong. <laughs> if we're talking about it, it's a disease. It's bad. You are right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna be talking about polycystic kidney disease this week. I almost said this month. Um so polycystic it really does sorry uh anyway polycystic kidney disease or pkd is a inherited kidney disease i learned a lot actually i always learn a lot when i do these notes i say that every freaking week but (laughs) like so it reminds you because we learned about this stuff and then it's like you don't use it and it falls out of your brain and then you're like oh now that i have more time under my belt i understand what it's saying and it'll probably stick better yeah, it really does. Cause like I even remember studying this for like my VTS stuff and like mm-hmm. it makes more sense now. It does, but it's yeah. like one of those things where it's like you know certain tidbits of it, like only a few specific points stick to your brain. Yeah. Well, it's harder too because there's that potential that you've never seen one of these, right? Correct. But now you probably have, and so you can relate to it a little bit more. Yeah. That's yeah. That's me. So polycystic kidney disease or PKD, like I said, it's an inherited condition. It can be found in dogs and cats. And what it does is it causes uh, cysts, obviously, or pockets of fluid, and they form in the kidneys. So these cysts mm. are usually present from birth uh, in dogs. They you begin to develop when dogs are really early in life, so super young puppies. I think it's not as well known in dogs as it is in cats. So um, Mm. cats is kind of what we're going to focus on, but I'm going to try to throw in the dog stuff there too. So like I said, these cysts are present within the kidneys, typically at birth, if not very early on in their life. And they usually start off really small, but as they, as pets grow, as dogs and cats grow, these also continue to grow larger over time. And then eventually what they'll do is they'll kind of disrupt they disrupt the kidney physically. So then of course it's going to disrupt the kidney function as well. And it ultimately ends up in kidney failure, which is a bummer. That's why it deserves the dun dun dun. Yeah. So it's usually, it's typically multiple small cysts and they can continue forming. And there's no way to, there's no way to gauge whether or not a pet, a dog or a cat is going to have like one or two of these cysts or if they're going to have tons of them Mm. so like i said these as pets age these cysts gradually just begin to get larger and larger and larger and they also multiply in number as well so as Mm. they multiply the cysts then replace normal functioning kidney tissue as well right that being said we're going to talk about it actually i don't go into that much detail about it but these cats and dogs can live to be adults um it's just they get kidney failure earlier than what we would typically consider for kidney failure right without like an acute reaction to something so as this as these cysts these cysts replace normal functioning kidney tissue obviously this is going to lead to a decreased amount of kidney like normal good functioning kidney tissue that is available that's going to be able to do the job of removing waste products from the bloodstream and so 
over time, as these pets begin to progress and these signs begin to progress, then we're going to start seeing signs of chronic kidney disease. And oftentimes, especially in dogs too, polycystic kidney disease goes unnoticed until they develop signs of kidney disease. Because how often are you just doing an incidental ultrasound on a cat or dog, a young cat or dog? Yeah. So, I mean, that I guess that's the good thing about the disease is they, they can go years and years and years without like showing any signs. Yeah. But once they do show signs, it's, 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 a, it's like any other kidney disease, right? Like you have to have a certain amount of tissue destroyed slash affected. The difference, the difference between this and like your quote unquote typical kidney disease is the 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 renal tubules and you know all that stuff is functioning normally it's just getting compressed by the cysts Mm -hmm. so it's like versus like some of the other kidney diseases that all of them are kind of getting destroyed equally right oh yeah this is not equal at all (laughs) this is not equal at all these cysts Um, just pop pop up wherever they want within the kidney and so and then that pressure of squishing on everything because remember Mm -hmm. like everything's like one cell layer thick. So you've got like a little tiny cystic balloon pushing up against thing and it, it just cuts off supply to those areas, which is, that's where the problem is. Yep. So what's happening in these pets? So again, it's inherited. So it's a genetic condition, mm-hmm. right? So what it is, it's actually an autosomal dominant like gene. So mm-hmm. dogs and cats who receive a defective copy of the gene um, from either one of their parents, not both. If you have one normal parent and one polycystic kidney parent, you're going to have polycystic kidney disease. Um, so it is a dominant gene abnormality, unfortunately. That sucks. Yeah. So again, this just means that like, even with this gene, even those with only like a few small cysts and no clinical signs, they're still going to pass on this gene to its kidney kittens or puppies. Um, even again, if they've made it with an unaffected dog or cat, they're still, they only need one parent to pass along this gene and it's going to be passed along. It's not like hit or miss. <laughs> yeah. So, which mm-hmm. is a bummer. Cause like there's some genetic abnormalities out there where you're like, we might get away without it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, this episode's going to be interesting. I was thinking when I was doing these notes, because like, there's only so much I can talk about polycystic kidney disease before it just turns into the chronic kidney disease episode. Right. So we're just going to refer back to the chronic kidney disease episode, but just know that it is a genetic component and the client communication on this is likely going to be with breeders and trying to have that discussion of you probably shouldn't breed these animals. Um, Yeah. So that's always fun. Do you remember for like OFA stuff, do they, is there an abdominal ultrasound included in that? I don't think so. Well, at least it wasn't, but. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen like an OFA certification for abdominal. I know that they have like heart and they have ears, uh, hips and and elbows and all that stuff, but. And like neurologic, but. Yeah. Because, I mean, I would think that screening for cysts and stuff like that would be important, but who knows? 
it is recommended in certain breeds, but I don't think it's required for like certain standards of breeding. Yeah. So as I said earlier, it is common in cats, but relatively uncommon in dogs, which Yvonne should have done these notes. Um, <laughs> it is so in our dog breeds, we tend to see it mo- most commonly in our bull terriers, which is such a bummer because I want a bull terrier so bad. <laughs> right. They're so cute. Uh, but we can also see it in Karen Terriers as well as Westies, which neither one of those breeds shock me for some reason. Um, I think I've seen a Westie with with polycystic disease. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. I'm surprised that with it being most commonly diagnosed in Bull Terriers that I haven't seen more Bull Terriers in my career. I don't see a ton of Bull Terriers in general. That's what I mean. Like, I don't... So, like... Like, I've seen a handful of bull terriers in my career yeah and i don't think any of them had polycystic well at least not at the time had polycystic kidney disease right Hmm. so but i I bet you if i ever get a bull terrier it's gonna oh it would totally have been (laughs) like there's no doubt about it it's only gonna live to be like two or three and i'm like yeah "Ah." yeah Uh, which most of the time this isn't in my notes but I remember reading it most of these dogs do live to be around eight Mm, it's not bad it's not bad it's not a a bad age I mean like when you get these Karen terriers that live to be 16 like I guess I get it but like um in our cats Persians have the highest incidence of forming well developing getting having polycystic kidney disease studies there's actually a study multiple studies that show that about a third of persian cats have polycystic kidney disease which is significant it's crazy that is really high i wonder what the most bred cat is oh like just because all right i mean domestic short hair American short hair and domestic short hair are pretty much the same thing to me. But the 10 most popular cat breeds in Persian isn't on here, which surprises me. Yeah. But that's also just like a blog. So who knows? Right. Ooh, pet insurance. That one I I might. All right. Let's see what the. Although for pet insurance, they're going to be like. Oh, yeah. Devon Rex, Obsidian, Sphinx. Scottish folds. Okay, all of these breeds I've seen like one or two of in my career. American <laughs> short hair. There's a million of them. Maine Coons. Persians is number four. I well, and here's the other thing. I guess I should say with a pet insurance, like these are probably the ones that are actually getting pet insurance. <laughs> this is true. This is true. This is mm. these would be the breeds out of like felines. Yeah. yeah. That like if you're gonna spend that mo- kind of money on a Persian, right? <laughs> i don't know and then there's like the main coon that everybody labels as a main coon and you're like mm, no oh my god nice someone told try me, someone told me this the other day they're like oh i think my cat has main coon in it and i was like uh-huh but they called it a man coon and i was like you don't even know what the breed is like, <laughs> i don't know like one of my cats has some giant cat breed in him like he's just really tall and really long like, I know he's not Maine Coon because I'm like, you're an orange boy, like short haired cat, right? Yeah. But I'm like, you have, you have a, a large feline 
<laughs> ancestor. <laughs> One of my main pet sitting gigs for a really long time was a Maine Coon. His name was Emmett. And Aww. he actually lived to be like, one of the oldest Maine Coons on record. Oh, wow. And he had kidney disease. That's why I pet sat him is because I would go over and like give him sub-Q fluids and stuff like that. And uh, he was he was a real Maine Coon. Like he was big. He was beautiful. He was so sweet. Uh, and like I have a picture of Bailey when she was two with him. <laughs> and he like they were like the same size. <laughs> like, he was the size <laughs> of a two-year-old. You're like, ooh. And- yeah. But he had his like sub-Q fluid routine. Man, that owner did such a good job keeping him alive. I mean, like without even like going like overboard to the point where, you know, it's like some owners you're like, yeah, "Mm -hmm." I probably would have called it a couple months ago. And you're like, I I joke. I'm like the little crypt keeper. You're like, ooh. ooh." (laughs) Yeah. Like he never, he never got that. Like he never got sickly looking. He never got thin. He never got like poor hair coat. Like she would shave him and stuff like to keep his coat like nice. But his hair always grew back. Like he was a good looking cat. Like Mm. she did a really good job. Genetics. (laughs) The other types of breeds that tend to get polycystic kidney disease has chinchillas on the list. I'm like, is the chinchilla a cat? So that's what I wasn't sure. I was like, is a chinchilla a cat breed? Oh, it's a specific, oh, it's a <laughs> it specific type of Persian. Okay. I was like, ah, I've never it, heard of that. It's a really specific type of Persian, Yvonne. It's it's white coated with black and green eyes. No, oh, no, this no. is like a white coat tipped with black and green eyes. Oh yeah, I guess I should read it with the punctuation. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, black and green eyes. I mean, the iris is black. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, that counts, right? This is like the fancy feast cat. Yeah, it looks just like the fa- it looks that looks like a munchkin. I think that is a munchkin. Oh my god, that does look like a munchkin. Ad- average lifespan is fourteen to sixteen years. Bull crap. Not if they have polycystic kidney disease. Well, Ava- but but that's... availability is fairly scarce. Yeah. I was going to say, that's, um, oh, they're 3.6 to 6.8 kigs is average for them. They're so little and super fluffy. I want one. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do look, that. If, if I would have just finished reading my notes. So chinchillas and exotic short hairs because they've been developed using Persian bloodlines. Nah. <laughs> I'm just going to be like... You know, the girl, is it not, not Agnes, but anyways, Despicable Me, where she goes, it's so fluffy. That's going to be me for these. I'm pretty sure her name is, no, is it the older girl whose name is Agnes? I think the older girl is Agnes. I can't remember the younger girl. I think you're right. I don't remember either, but yeah, with the unicorn. Anyway. uh, You're welcome, guys. Apparently we're super all over the place today. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I do feel very like shiny. I swear I only had coffee today. I mean, I had breakfast, but not like anything. I didn't drink like a ten, 10 gallons of caffeine or anything. So. Yeah, I haven't yet. I haven't even had a Red Bull yet. Uh, so anyway, in the majority of other cat breeds, like especially like our domestic short hairs and stuff like that, uh, polycystic kidney disease is considered a rare condition, just like in dogs. Nice. And then um, as again, I don't know how much I can reiterate that like. <laughs> As these cysts continue to form and just displace kidney tissue, function de- does decrease. 
So a lot of times clinical signs aren't noticed until pets are mature, like middle age. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, unfortunately. And so when we do start seeing signs, we're really seeing signs of chronic kidney disease in, mm. or a, a chronic kidney failure instead of polycystic disease. So we're seeing things like PUPD. We're going to see decreased appetite, weight loss uh, as that early sign of kidney disease. And then, of course, as we get in those latter stages, if you listen two or three episodes back, you can hear us talk about the stages of kidney disease. Mm-hmm. Um we're going to see things like nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, of course. And this is all going to be just as a result of toxin buildup in the bloodstream because the kidneys aren't functioning properly. Right. When it comes to a differential diagnosis, I don't know, when you throw PUPD out there, decreased appetite, weight loss, it could be diabetes, kidney disease, toxin, cancer. Yeah. yeah. GI disease because we have decreased appetite, vomiting, diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> diagnostics are really going to be based on looking at the like whole our picture. normal internal medicine histories and baseline yep. labs <laughs> yep medical history clinical signs then we're going to suggest blood and urine testing there is genetic testing it's That's actually fairly cheap too um and then i already kind of said it but we do recommend ultrasound just for evaluation like actual like looking at the kidneys there are radiographic dye studies that can be useful, but I didn't actually find a lot of information around that. So I really don't think it's used very often. I've never done radiographic dye for these cats or dogs, whatever. Um, usually it's just ultrasound and we're like, there's cysts in the kidneys. <laughs> yeah. And there Enjoy was there. talk about like, so there was in a couple of my uh, bits of information that I found, there was talk about like you could in theory drain the cysts right but it like specifically said like in theory you could mm. use an ultrasound guided like fna and aspirate yeah. the fluid out of it but the fluid's just going to come right back it's not going to yeah. save the function of the kidney by draining the cysts essentially yeah and that would be i would imagine a relatively like interesting procedure because like these cats and dogs tend to have multiple cysts yeah we did it we did it like once or twice just to kind of relieve some of the pressure off that kidney. Yeah. Um, I imagine that would be uncomfortable like to yeah. have those cysts there. Well, and I think if I remember correctly, because that fluid is just kind of sitting there instead of leaving the kidney like normal, I think they're a little bit predisposed to infections just because it's like sitting and pooling. I imagine um, so. And so like getting that sample, you can see check if it's... For infection. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to run, like I said, our, our basic in-house blood panel. So CBC chemistry UA, our CBC can show evidence of anemia as we've talked about in the last several episodes about kidney Mm -hmm. disease, because when the kidneys start to fail, then we don't adequately stimulate red blood cell production of the bone marrow. Our serum biochemistry, I'm sure this is going to shock everybody, but we're going to see increases in BUN and creatinine. I know who knew I mean when we're talking about kidney disease I think that's what we talk about (laughs) and SDMA I'm sure too but yeah we're gonna do a UA just so we can take a look at the cells that are in with the urine in with the urine in the urine as well as if there's any bacteria so if we're fighting a concurrent pyelonephritis or UTI we really want to try to rule that out also when we're dealing with any kidney stuff or PUPD like we should check a UA 
radiographs with x-rays can sometimes show enlarged irregular looking kidneys um but it's not often sensitive enough to diagnose like polycystic kidney disease early on in like puppy or kittenhood yeah and i've seen it where like they'll transfer from a primary vet because Mm -hmm. they did notice on x-rays irregular looking kidneys and so then they recommend coming to us because we did the we do the ultrasounds yeah and so that's just something that you know if you see it and you don't have an ultrasound that's when you want to refer it to to a radiologist or uh or internal medicine specialist yeah of course and then we're going to do an ultrasound of course because it is more sensitive because we can measure things we can measure those cysts Mm -hmm. that we find so we get a more detailed view of those kidneys so we can see, you know, small cysts, large cysts. And we can even see that in young puppies and kittens with mm. different views with the ultrasound, which is amazing. There is genetic testing for PKD. I have to look. I don't remember if it was only for dog samples or if it was for cats too. But the website says feline polycystic kidney disease so i think i mean it's kind of weird because it says per animal well because a lot of times this is breeders testing their litters Mm. so and then you can get like a specific persian test and a specific so like i don't know this this persian test is for another persian related disease which is progressive retinal atrophy so you can just go ahead and not kill two birds with one stone kind of thing um and then there's like a scottish fold test too because this is a breed that we're going to see but uh they have a genetic mutation it's the cartilage and stuff like that that, which is why they're folded (laughs) which yeah exactly so um i didn't find one for dogs but i realistically didn't look very hard So anyway, this genetic testing, though, should be done if you have one of these predisposed breeds that potentially could carry this gene, or if you plan on breeding one of these breeds, it is recommended. It is, it just requires a swab, and it's actually a relatively cheap test at only 40 bucks at UC Davis, which is, you know, reasonably priced for for tests. A genetic (laughs) test. (laughs) I mean, that's the cost of it, right? Like, obviously, we're going to mark it up from there. But but even if you doubled that, 80 bucks for a client, like, that's not that bad. I paid $3,000 for a genetic test when they thought something was wrong when I was pregnant with Connor. Holy bazoli. But human medicine, you know. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that was... It was so crazy, too, because, like, I did that genetic test. And they called with the results, but they're like, hey, by the way, he's 100% boy. And I was like, we were testing for, like, disorders. Like, is that all normal? And they're like, in like, but on the voicemail, they were just like, yep, 100% boy. And I was like, so, <laughs> like, I had to call back and be like, is everything else normal? That's weird. Yeah, it was weird. It was, yeah, it was, it was I'll never understand human medicine, I don't think. Because, like, I get it. They're quick. And, like, I think they think that I can just safely assume. But I need to hear that it's normal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. 
lead with that <laughs> lead with everything looks good by the way you're having a boy right yeah so yeah there was no question with connor for sure that's funny <laughs> you're anyway. like thanks well i didn't want to know but thank you for telling me <laughs> i did actually already know at the time because like we had that blood test run at the anatomy scan when we mm-hmm. were finding out if it was a boy or girl so it's one of those things where it's like yeah you're probably having a boy and then they're like, nope, 100% you're having a boy. <laughs> I was like, That's okay. Funny. <laughs> um, so when it comes to treatment for these guys, there's no real treatment prior to, I don't know, like, I don't know how to say, prior to treating the, like, chronic kidney disease. Right. Because you're treating the symptoms. Yeah. You're not like getting, you, there's, there's no, there's no cure for this disease, unfortunately. So you're, yeah, you're kind of waiting for the symptoms to pop can you help slow down the progression of chronic kidney disease yes and that's going to be with things that include like a prescription diet like we talked about a ton this is why my treatment section is this small is because the last three episodes we've talked about treating chronic kidney disease (laughs) yeah exactly so it's going to be the usual (laughs) prescription diet fluid supplementation and then just medications to manage manage the symptoms of the chronic kidney disease you're not managing the chronic kidney disease essentially you're just helping flush out the toxins in the blood with the sub q fluids you're helping reduce protein with a prescription diet so again like i said when it comes to client communication it's really just going to be trying to educate people around what's going on especially if this is diagnosed like incidentally yeah uh like i don't know maybe (sighs) they're doing a gastropexy on a dog or something like that and they're like oh those kidneys are lumpy um (laughs) as a puppy like, it's just going to be doing those things that we can do. So we can feed, you know, wet food, prescription diet, kidney disease for adulthood. And then um, avoid breeding these dogs and cats. Get yeah. the genetic genetic testing done if you do plan on breeding these pets. And then, again, just informing people that it can be challenging, too, because a lot of these pets don't show any signs of disease until they're past like breeding age too so it's just that awkward conversation mm-hmm. trying to tell breeders that like genetic testing should be done right yeah well and i think the other part of client communication is if they're if their their pet does have polycystic you know disease it's one of those you know here's what to expect long-term and that your pet, that this is most likely what your pet's going to die from is kidney disease. Um, we're hoping to prolong it as much as, as long as possible, but the reality is this is going to happen. <laughs> like, But the reality is though, too, that these pets are going to be living a fairly good long life, I- just not unlikely to go past 10 yeah good it also depends on how severe the the cysts are like is it just one or two or is it multiple and they're multiplying and they're getting bigger so it's just you know it might be one of those things where you know once a year you just kind of keep an eye on them until they start becoming an issue so start counting cysts yeah and measuring them I'm sure a lot of women listening to this are probably like, yeah, it totally sounds like polycystic ovarian. Right. Issues. Like, I just go in every now and then and doesn't really do anything. I go in, have them count, counted and checked on and then like, right. so true. move on. Yep. 
However, polycystic ovarian issues don't cause our kidneys to shut down. Very true. Just cause pain in our uterus. That's all. <laughs> and abnormal hair growth. Details. 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 Yeah. So, I mean, I think for this one, it, you know, understanding kidney disease in general. Uh, and then this is like one of the one of the diseases that will lead to chronic kidney disease so just knowing that that's you know that's how you're going to be talking to clients so yeah it's the tip of the week i think the tip of the week is that there's genetic testing for this that's true i think that's pretty cool like i i never knew that so like if you do have especially especially if you have an owner of a persian cat Yes. I think that's one of those that because I you know these are probably people who've spent money on on their cat already uh and so they may want to know like hey genetically is my cat predisposed to it uh and you know especially if they're thinking about potentially breeding right or so. if they're thinking about purchasing a Persian cat and they come and talk mm -hmm. to you about what to expect then you can at least tell them like hey it might be worth asking your breeder to do a genetic test yeah so because i think that's a reasonable ask. breeder should be comfortable doing that because they should understand it exactly a responsible breeder of persian should know that this is a potential oh <laughs> like, yeah for sure if, if they get if, all like angry about it be like mm, sounds like i should go somewhere else <laughs> or if you're looking to buy a persian and they're like what is polycystic kidney disease and you'd be like red, red flag red flag <laughs> like a dating app run away, run away. <laughs> like a dating app oh my yeah. god <laughs> white <left. laughs> uh, oh my god that's awesome <laughs> and now for the question of the week question of the week is going to be have you done the uc davis genetic testing or a different genetic test offered mm. at a different lab i just found the uc davis one uh and if so uh how easy was the test because it says it's just a swab but it's not very specific as to where the swab is I, it's gotta be a cheek swab because yeah that's my guess like but... genetic stuff right like it's gotta be a cheek swab What's a Burmese head defect? <laughs> That's also $40. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Love it. <laughs> we're to find all these diseases. We're, we're like, let's talk about this. <laughs> I, that's literally what I was thinking about. I was like, we could just add all these to our list of things we should talk about. <laughs> oh my gosh. So funny. On that note. <laughs> Except for this GM2 gangliosidosis in Burmese. That sounds neuro and I'm, we'll yeah, just get Brittany back ganglio, on. Yeah, I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> Who knows what, I mean, neuro people know what that is, I'm sure. Probably. <laughs> so anyway, I hope everybody has a good week. I hope everybody is getting prepped for the holidays. Ooh. If you celebrate the holidays, all the holidays that are around this time of year. No kidding. All the holidays. All, uh, every single one. <laughs> yeah. Happy holidays. Happy holiday season. <laughs> I bet you they put all the holidays in the winter because of like seasonal depression. I know. I thought about that. I'm like, let's celebrate life. <laughs> <laughs> when we're cold when we're and really sad. sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> we gotta end the year. We gotta end the year a little bit strong. We just gotta put all the holidays at the end of the year. <laughs> Most people aren't leaving their little cabin. Let's let's have some fun with that. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> all right, Jordan. It's been have real. A good week. You too. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. And um, yeah, we'll talk to you next week, right? We have another one next week before our holidays kind of get all crazy. We do. Okay. (laughs) All right, guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you the next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.